everybody in the book of Hosea? You're going to need it in just a little bit. So, But I'm going to start with a couple of other scriptures. The first scripture I'm going to start with today, as I kind of mentioned earlier, we're talking about our mission uh, here, which is the remission series, right? So we're talking about our mission here at Redemption Point AG. And the, the third and final portion of our mission that we haven't talked about yet is to see people redeemed for the purpose that Christ has for them. Uh, so that's the third part of, of our mission is to see people redeemed for their purpose. So it's a, it's a big subject matter, and it's hard to fill in 20 minutes of time. So today I'm going to give you the introduction, and then next week you've got to come back for the sermon, all right? So, so say, I promise, Pastor Steve. No, I'm just kidding. You don't, you don't, you don't, I'm not going to make you promise. But, but listen, we're going to come back next week for the rest of this sermon where we're going to dive into your purpose. So today we're going to talk about redemption and what redemption is, and next week we're going to dive into finding your purpose or your redemptive purpose in Christ. How many of you know that each and every person in this room has a redemptive purpose in Christ? Amen? You have a redemptive purpose. What does that mean, Pastor Steve? That means that Christ redeemed you for a reason. Christ saved you for a reason. He loved you, yes, but there's more to the reason of why he redeemed you. He redeemed you also for his service. Amen? That we serve him out of love. So Isaiah 44, 22 says this, I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to dive into your word and your scripture together as a church family. Lord, we pray your blessings and your anointing over this message and over our time together both this week and next week. Father, we just pray that you're, you would be made known in this preaching, in this teaching, in this word. Father, that you would bring alive your scriptures in our hearts and in our minds, Lord. Let us not only hear it and ponder it and think about it, but Lord, let us live it. Let us go out into the world and be exemplary and be salt and light in the world. Let us do what the scriptures say and not only hear them and think about them. Let us not just be pontificators of the word, Lord, but let us be doers of the word. Let us go out into the world and let people see Jesus in us. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. So today, as we dive into just the first portion of this, of this sermon, uh, we know that redemption is the key basis to Christianity. You say, well, Pastor Steve, you know, we, we had talked about uh, bringing forth a, a, ch a name change in the church. And why did we, did we choose redemption point? Because the point of redemption is the most important time in our lives. The point of redemption is a time where everything changes for us. That moment that you fully give over your heart to Christ, that moment that you make him Lord of your life, that's the catalyst for the absolute rest of your life, right? Everything from your life explodes from that point. Everything before that point doesn't matter quite so much as everything after that point because you've been forgiven for everything, every sin, every, everything that you've done wrong. Once you have uh, repented and received Christ, everything behind you is behind you. Amen. So everything behind you is gone and, and, and you only have uh, what God says you can have in front of you. Uh, now, if we stay in obedience to Christ and we stay in relationship with him, because how many of you know you can still walk out of relationship? Right? The scripture says that nobody can pluck you out of the hand of God, but it doesn't say that you can't stand up and walk out of it. Right? So there's, there's a lot of arguing in theology between Calvinism and Arminianism, and we are Arminians, so we believe people can backslide. 
right? We believe that that does happen, right? And it does happen on occasion. But, but listen, we don't believe that that has to be the end for that person. At the moment, if they've turned from Christ and walked away, they can always have the opportunity to turn back around and receive him and, and ask for forgiveness. And Jesus, just like the, the story of the prodigal son who returned to the father, Amen. We believe that you have that opportunity to do that. So redemption is the key basis to Christianity. It's a key basis to our belief system. Uh, the reason we have access to heaven and eternal life and healing and restoration on this earth is because we have been redeemed. If you've been redeemed, you have access to everything the Bible says that you can have. Why don't you go ahead and say amen. You have access to everything the Bible says that you can have. And, and if, you, if the Bible says you can have it, you can have it, right? And we serve a good, good father who will not keep things from you. That if you go to him and say, Lord, I need this in my life, he will either give it to you or he will show you how it doesn't line up with his will right? So, so if it doesn't line up with his will, we ultimately trust his will. But if it lines up in his will and it's good, then he will indeed give it to you. Amen? So we, we believe that. Uh, redemption means this, the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. And we know that Jesus is our redeemer, right? Jesus saved us from sin, error, and evil. Uh, secondly, the action, redemption, the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. How many of you know today and are thankful that Jesus went to the cross to clear our debt? Amen. I, I don't know about you, but I racked up a pretty high debt. I don't know about you, but I ran up my sin credit cards pretty high, right? I, I, I had made a lot of mistakes. And I'm so grateful and thankful to the Lord that he, he went to the cross on behalf of me and wiped out that debt so that I didn't have to pay the price of my bad decisions, amen, that I didn't have to pay the price. Aren't you so glad today that, that, that even though you uh, may sin on occasion, you have a redeemer in Christ that you can go to and ask for forgiveness, and he is just and willing and faithful to forgive us our sins, amen? that he will cleanse you and make you whole, that you don't have to live in a place of destituteness. You don't have to live in a place of brokenness. You don't have to live in a place of sin in your life. As a matter of fact, if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that you shouldn't occupy and build your house on a, on a foundation of sin, right? But that we are called to chase after him uh, above all else. And if we chase after him, we can live a, a, a new life that is far and above what we can live without him, right? God is good. So redemption to us is acknowledging that we have been saved from sin, saved from death, and Jesus Christ himself paid the price. So, so we were once slaves, but because of Jesus, now we are what? We are free. Amen. Galatians 4, 7 says this, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child... God has made you also an heir. Man, I love that scripture. If that didn't just leap in your heart, you either were sleeping or you didn't hear me correctly. right? You were once a slave, but now you're God's child. And not only are you God's child, but, but you're not God's stepchild. right? You're not, a, you're not God's stepchild who is not an heir, uh, but you are fully his child and you are an heir to everything that he gives his children. 
Amen. That's something to be excited about this morning, church. That's something to jump up and down about this morning. That's something to be happy about today. I love that scripture. Uh, when, I was, when I was reading and writing the sermon, I was thinking about my little dog, Ruger. You know, and, and I talk about Ruger on occasion. He's an English Cocker Spaniel, little brown and white pup. And, man, he's just, I, I love that dog, right, most of the time. Sometimes he gets on my nerves, but most of the time I love him. And, and it was two pastor appreciations ago, uh, I mentioned to my daughter Kennedy that I would like to maybe have a dog now that we're becoming empty nesters. Now that the family, all the kids are out of the house, house is a little quiet, I'd like to have a dog. Uh, now, I know this about my daughter Kennedy, right? My daughter Kennedy, who serves as, uh, as, as ministry leader of Redemption Kids, uh, I know that she's a getter dunner right? You say, what's a getter dunner? That means all I have to do is mention something that needs to get done, and she gets it done. She doesn't leave it halfway done. She gets it done. I mentioned to her uh, that I kind of wanted a dog, and I would kind of like to have a Cocker Spaniel like I used to have 20 years ago, and I would kind of like him to be free. You know, that was, those, were the, those were the three things that I said, you know, and she was like, okay, Cocker Spaniel, yep, you want a dog, he wants, needs to be a Cocker Spaniel, you prefer brown, um, and you want him to be free, Dad, really, free? You know, and I'm like, yes, I think God will provide me a free one. I, I want him to be free, right? I think God gives us the desires of our heart as long as they line up with his heart, right? So, so I wanted him to be free. Uh, so about a week later, Kennedy calls me and goes, okay, I got your dog. And I'm like, what, really? And she goes, yeah, he's a brown and white English Cocker Spaniel. He's exactly what you were looking for. Uh, I don't know about the free part, though, Dad. And I'm like, that's okay. Let, let's find out what's going on. So, so I prayed, you know, called the lady up, and, the lady, and I said to the lady after we talked about it for a little bit, I said, now, uh, what, what else, uh, you know, how much do you want to rehome the dog? And she said, you know, you know what, Pastor Steve, I think we're just going to give him to you. And I, and I said, praise Jesus, you know, so I got everything that I had asked for, right? He's a brown and white cocker spaniel and he's free. Uh, so Kennedy and I took a trip down to Lakeland to pick this dog up. Uh, when we went to pick him up, we didn't know much about his life before we got him. But the truth is, when we got there, he was living a pretty rough life. So the woman who gave him to us had a daughter that she bought him for from a breeder in Georgia and this woman was extremely busy. She had four kids under the age of six, and she was going full-time to nursing school, right, and working a full-time job. So she had all of this going on. So what did that mean for Ruger? Uh, he had a different name back then. I can't even remember what it was, but uh, Oreo, that was his name. So, so he lived in a cage. So he spent eight to 10 hours a day in a cage, right? Well, we got there, picked him up, and the woman told us that, hey, we just haven't had time. He's a little rambunctious because he lives in a cage. And I'm like, he lives in a what? She's like, he lives in a cage. Well, we picked him up that day. And can I tell you, it was like I, it was, it wasn't, it was like I had never been without him. It was like he, he and I were just linked, right? And he followed me around from day one, sat in my lap, put his head in my lap, loved on me, kissed on me. I don't even like the kisses, but he kissed on me. Right. And, and uh, let me tell you this. The first night we had him, uh, I went to put him in his crate. Right. Because we, we crate train dogs. Right. And Jessica looks at me and she says, Steve, you know, the poor dog has spent hours of his life this past year. He was only a year old in a crate. Are you going to make him sleep in the crate? And I'm like, no, nah, baby, you're right. And we let him up in the bed with us. Right. So so this dog, this dog went from living in a cage to us coming along and redeeming him and bringing him into our family 
and I try to call him Jessica's son, but she won't have no part of it, right? <laughs> so, so it's not so much as though he's a child, but, but we treat him a little bit like a child, right? We brought him up into our family, and that dog is so thankful that he doesn't leave me alone ever. Uh, matter of fact, when I'm writing sermons, I usually sermon right from home uh, so I can focus because Kennedy drives me nuts in the office. But so, so I, sermon, I sermon right from home. So I'm just picking on her. So I sermon right from home sometimes so I can focus. And I have to move that dog's head off my Bible so I can continue to work. He lays right next to me with his head on the Bible. Can I tell you today that's how we need to be with Jesus? Yeah. Right? That God redeemed us and redeemed us for a reason. That, that we should be so close to him like John was that we just have our head laid up on his breast, right? Just like Ruger does me, right? And, and sometimes I know when I've been ignoring Ruger a little too much because he starts working his way up from my legs and he gets up my stomach and he comes up my chest and he'll get nose to nose with me and, and, just, and just stare at me. And he's got, he truly does have puppy dog eyes, right? He just stares at me and I know, I know two things. Either he's got to go outside and go to the bathroom or I haven't been giving him enough attention. But, but that's how we need to be with Christ, man. We need to be so happy to spend time with him. We need to be so in love with him and thankful for that he redeemed us from a life of slavery and made us children, and not only children like stepchildren, but made us children as heirs with him in, the, in, in life. Amen. So, so, so grateful for that. So how many of you know we have not been redeemed to just be turned loose? Right? I didn't redeem Ruger just to let him loose out on the highway, to let him go. I redeemed Ruger to brought him into my house. Right? God redeemed us not to turn you loose to your own devices and not to let you run around and do what you want and not to let you get into trouble and get hurt and get hit by a car. But he redeemed you to bring you into his house. How many of you know that is precious? That is awesome. That's something that we need to be thankful for as the church. This is the second thing. He didn't just redeem us to redeem us from one taskmaster to another. He didn't redeem us to go from one slave master to another. But he redeemed us from a taskmaster and a slave master to come into father-child relationship, which is totally different. Amen? That he brought us in as his children. That's a total different thing. So God redeemed us. Why don't you, how many of you know today that God changed your status? Your status before Christ was a slave. That's the truth. And you say, well, Pastor Steve, what do you mean by that? Get more into your, into your scripture. Dig into the Bible. You were a slave to your own, uh, your own devices. You were a slave to your own sins. You were a slave to your own passions. You were a slave doing uh, what you wanted to do, when you wanted to do it, getting yourself in trouble, right? You were a slave to the world. You were a slave to the devil. But God came along and redeemed you out of that and made you a child. He brought you out of slaveship status to child of the most high king status. Why don't you look at somebody to say and say today, Jesus changed my status. Some of y'all, when you get home today, not right now while I'm preaching, but some of y'all, when you get home today, need to get on Facebook and write, Jesus changed my status, right? And then when somebody says, what in the world are you even talking about? What status? You can say, I went from slave to free. Amen. It'll, it'll open up a door to some conversations that you can tell people about Christ. Amen. Let's, how about we use social media to spread the gospel instead of hate? How about we use social media to spread the gospel instead of divisiveness? How about we start, we redeem social media today from this, from this point forward to go after people for the reason of Christ. 
Amen. That we redeem it today and, and, and start with that. Jesus changed my status. Amen. The other thing that we find out as we dig into the sermon and more next week, we understand that Jesus didn't just die for anybody, but Jesus died for his family. That we are family. And that's why he went to the cross and did what he did because he made us family, right? Jesus was our kinsman redeemer. Now this week we're digging a little bit into Hosea. Next week we're going to dig into Ruth. Right, And we're going to find out a little more about kinsman redeemer and how Christ was our kinsman redeemer. Boaz was, was her kinsman redeemer, but Christ is our kinsman redeemer. And we're going to talk about what that means in our life. So the third part of our mission statement as a church is to see people redeemed for their purposes in God. To see people redeemed for their purpose in Christ. So go ahead and flip open to Hosea. We're going to talk about Hosea a little bit. We're going to read a few scriptures out of there. Hosea was a prophet positioned in the northern kingdom of Israel around 750 BC. So he was a prophet in Israel in the northern kingdom around 750 BC. Hosea's name means salvation or deliverance. Tell me that wasn't a setup from God, right? Tell me that God didn't set up Hosea from birth. Uh, to be a prophet in his kingdom. He had him named salvation or deliverance, right? That was, that was what Hosea's name means. It was a setup from God. So in this time in Israel, immorality and idolatry was becoming more and more commonplace, and the priests were failing to guide people back into righteousness. Does that sound familiar today, church? Right? The, the immorality of the world was getting worse and worse. Sinfulness of the world is getting worse and worse. And a lot of times we even see sinfulness in churches. And a lot of times we even see pastors in churches fall to sin. And we see that it's, it's, it's worse and worse. And then a lot of times today, church, you got to be careful who you give your ears to. Because a lot of times today in church, people will tickle your ears without telling you the truth. Speakers will speak into your life that makes you want to jump up and down and share a video image on Facebook, but it, they, 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 they stop short of giving you the knowledge that will turn your life around, right? Not just get you excited for the moment, but change your life for eternity, right? To turn you around, and that's, that's something that we need to focus on, church, that we're not just having tickled ears, but that we're, we're listening to the true heart of God in the moment, and then we're applying that to our life. So, so Hosea 1, 2 reads like this. If you have the book open, just go to chapter 1, verse 2. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. Say what now? So how would you like to be praying one day as a single man? And the Lord comes in and goes, You know, I know that you're... You're a prophet of the Lord, and I know that you are my servant. So listen, I want you to go down to OBT in Orlando. And I want you to find a woman that's walking around down there after about 9 p.m. Who may be wearing something that's a little tight and short. I want you to take that woman as your dear wife and marry her. That's what the Lord said to Hosea, is I want you to go take a wife of harlotry. And what that means is, Hosea, I want you to go marry a prostitute. Hosea, I'm going I'm to send you to pick out a prostitute. And this prostitute's name was Gomer, 
right? Now, listen, I know there's a lot of us in this room that can't hear the word Gomer without thinking of Gomer Pyle. <laughs> I know that. But listen, more than likely, Gomer was a beautiful woman. Her name betrayed her, but she was a beautiful woman, right? Is anybody named Gomer in this place? I just want to make sure. <laughs> Right, we got, we got nobody named, I, I am not picking on your name if you're in here. I was, but I apologize if you're, if you're named Gomer, right? So, so we know that Gomer was beautiful, and God spoke to Hosea and told him, go marry this prostitute, a known prostitute. It wasn't like she was a secret prostitute. She was a known prostitute, and he was a known prophet of God. And he went down and took her as her wife and raised her kids. Now, the Bible doesn't say whether those kids are Hosea's or not, right? Uh, you, you can read that and you can assume they are, or you can read that sometimes and assume they're not. In the scripture, we just read it. It came up in children of harlotry. And that could mean a couple of things. That could mean that she uh, had those kids as a process of her still being a prostitute. Or it could mean that they were children of harlotry or children of a harlot, right? So it could have came in either way. So we don't know, but we do know uh, that pretty quickly after he married Gomer, that Gomer returned back to her profession. That she, didn't, she wasn't so grateful to be redeemed uh, by Hosea that she went and lived the life of a proper pastor's wife. Right? That she went and lived this life of, I'm going to go be a pastor's wife now. Uh, that means I've got to buy some dresses that come down past my knees. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to do some, I've got to throw out some things that maybe are a little too tight in all the wrong spots. You know, and I've got to, I've got to transform how I think, how I dress, how I feel, how I act. Right? That wasn't her thought process. Her thought process was uh, obviously, hey, look, yeah, I'll marry you and you can take care of me, but I'm not going to stop who I am. I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. And I'm pretty sure that in that process and in that moment, we understand and know uh, that God knew what was going to happen and was setting Hosea up to show Israel, to show the people how God was feeling in that time when the people were prostituting themselves with other idols and other religions during that time. When they were his, his precious possession, like a bride, and they were prostituting themselves in sin and prostituting themselves with other idols and worshiping false gods, right? God knew that was going to happen. He knew that was the place, right? And so he was using Hosea and Gomer as a, as a life lesson uh, to the people who were watching what was taking place. So Gomer, we know, returned to harlotry pretty quick, uh, but it's obvious that God is using the situation. How many of you know the situation represents the children of Israel and God and their relationship together? Uh, but that story also represents us. Man, that story also represents our heart. You know, at, at times we're, we're human and we have emotions and feelings and urges. And, and, and there's moments and times in our life where you have the temptation to sin or you fall into sin. And you're, and you're turning on the God who redeemed you in that moment. So we've got to understand in that moment, we've got to come to a place of repentance so that we can reunify our relationship with the Heavenly Father. Amen? That we've got to make sure, as my wife always says, and she learned it from her mom, uh, to keep a short account with God. Uh, before Jesus redeemed me, I didn't have no short account. These days, my account's pretty short. The moment in time that I feel like I've let God down or done something wrong, 
uh, or fell to temptation, I turn around and repent in that moment. Uh, a matter of fact, every week I was having this conversation with either Pastor Brad or somebody in the last couple of weeks, but I said every week before I get into this pulpit, I repent for sins I know I committed and sins I don't know I committed. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, forgive me for anything that might stand in between you and me, Lord. When I got mad and, and raced somebody on the highway, you know, Lord, forgive me about that. No, I didn't do that, I promise. Right. But whatever it is, you got mad and cut off somebody or, or you let something come out of your mouth that shouldn't have came out of your mouth, whether it be a cuss word or whether it be gossip, right? But something came out of your mouth and, and just in a moment of sin, it's those times that we have to keep a short account with God and make sure that we repent and, and remain pure between us and him. Right. It's, it's part of our uh, part of our redemption story is to allow God to continue to work in us and change us and mold us. Does that mean from the day you you give your life to Christ that from that point on you're supposed to be perfect? No, that's not that's not what the Bible says. That's not biblical. That's not what it means. But you're supposed to walk out a process of allowing yourself to be continually perfected, perfected by Christ. Right. Not that you ever come to a place of perfection. Until you, until you actually die and get, get a heavenly body, then you're good to go. But that's because your attitudes and your sins and your desires and all that stuff will, will go with the old body, right? Will go with the flesh and you'll be in a, a new perfected body. But until then, we have to deal with temptations. We have to deal with moments of, of attitude and aggression. Does anybody in this place ever have attitude or aggression? <laughs> it happens, right? But when it does, the only person in this place that never has attitude or aggression is Pastor Rushing. I, I'd love to pick up Pastor Rusty. That's because I've never seen it, right? But every time I say that, his wife's like, yes, he has. Yes, he has. Right? So, so we all have moments of attitude and aggression. We all have those moments in our life. So we've got to keep a short account knowing that those moments that we fail God or miss or we fall short of the mark, that we turn around and we repent and we make our life right with him. Amen. That is something that we're supposed to do. So in chapter two of Hosea, God speaks of the woman who goes after lovers who give me things. That's what it literally says, is that she goes after the lovers who give her things. She was trying to, to, to get things that Hosea couldn't provide for her. Hosea could provide for her safety and security and lead her spiritually uh, in Christ and raise the kids and provide uh, some security in a household. But he may not have been able to give her the gold and the jewels and the things of worth and value that she was seeking with her heart and she was desiring. So she went back into the profession finding the lovers who gave her things. How many of you know that Gomer didn't start out in slavery when she went back into her profession? Right? She ended up in slavery. She didn't start out in slavery. She started out taking lovers who would pay her with, with gold and jewels and, and stuff that, that made her, uh, that, that met her desires. So God said, eventually she will desire to return to her husband because she will recognize that a life of idolatry or a life of harlotry isn't all that it's cracked up to be. How I many of you know sin will always take you further than you want to go? Every time. Every time you let in and, and let in your desires and you open the door to the enemy in your life, it will always take you further than you plan to go, right? Uh, the rest of that statement is it'll keep you longer than you intended to stay too, right? It'll begin to move into your life and the truth uh, can be found in that statement in the life of Gomer in that moment. So eventually we find that Gomer, after returning to harlotry, returned to prostitution, right? It may have started off with just harlotry because she wanted some fine things in life. 
And so it started off there it was just adultery. And then it turned into prostitution. She began to prostitute herself again for money and finances. So she began to do that. And then eventually she went from the chosen wife of a prophet uh, to a slave in chains. Eventually she was a slave in chains. How many of you know that's probably not where Gomer intended to end up? When Gomer first started off and left Hosea to raise the kids all by himself, how many of you know that's probably not where she intended to end up in the moment, right? But she ended up there a slave in chains. I'm going to give you a little bit of history on slaves. If you have small kids in the room, I apologize. Kids that understand what I'm talking about. Women slaves during this time were bought by callous men. So they were used up sexually and returned back to the, to the, to the auction block. So callous men would buy the slaved women, take them home, and use them sexually until they desired them no more, and then take them back and return them to the auction block in chains again to be sold to another. Chances are, and many scholars have said that it was late in Gomer's life after her youth had departed and her appearance had started to diminish that the life had caught up with her, and that she was on the auction block and probably no one was bidding on her because she had been used up and she was well known to have been used up and all of the callous men who typically did the bidding had moved on to other women. And in this moment, Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, reads like this, and this is Hosea talking. Then the Lord said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who looked to other gods and loved the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and one half homers of barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. And he means any other men. So too will I be towards you. That means that he bought her off of the auction block and said, from now on, you're not going to play the harlot. You're not going to be unfaithful to me. And he said, and in return, I am going to be faithful to you. He said he's going to be faithful to her. I dug up the message Bible because sometimes I just like to read a little different take on it. I know the message isn't an official translation, but it's just somebody's translation of scripture. But I want, to, I want to read it from the message for a moment. Then God ordered me, start all over. Love your wife again. Your wife who's in bed with her latest boyfriend. Your cheating wife. Love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people. Even as they flirt and party with every God that takes their fancy. I did it. I paid good money to have her back. It cost me the price of a slave. Then I told her from now on, you're living with me. No more whoring. No more sleeping around. You're living with me. And I'm living with you. Hosea, in that moment, if you can picture Gomer on the auction block, if you can picture her face, and, and I can, I can see her face, and maybe, maybe distraught, and maybe solemn, maybe tears are streaming down her face if, if her heart hadn't already hardened so much that she couldn't still cry. But in that moment when they bring her out and, and she's in chains and the sound of the chains and the heaviness of the chains on her, and, and they set her before a group of men who were evil, and they laughed probably and jeered and, and, and elbowed each other and said, we already had that one. We already took advantage of that one. 
and they jeered. And she thought, my God, what's going to happen to me? You know, because of the decisions that she made. And you can see the weight on her face. But could you imagine in that moment the joy that would burst up within you when she heard her husband stand up and say, I'll buy her. Listen, you all have used her up, abused her, made fun of her. I'll buy her. And not only will I buy her, but I'm going to pay the full price for her. I'm not going to bid and I'm not going to try to try to weasel down the cost and the price. I'm not only going to buy her, but I'm going to pay the full price for her. And he bought her and paid the full price that day and he redeemed her and he brought her home. And you can see Hosea holding the hands of Gomer and looking into her face and, and sternly saying, no more of this. No more. I redeemed you once. Now I redeem you again. But this is it. You're not going to return to that. You're going to be faithful to me. And in return, I'm going to be faithful to you. Now, if you can imagine that in the, in the story of Hosea, if you can imagine that and, and God set up and, and made that moment happen so that the people would realize that sometimes that's what we do to God. Sometimes the Bible says like a dog returns to its own vomit. Sometimes we return to things that are ungodly and not of him. But I want to challenge us today to remember this story and then picture yourself the last time you were redeemed. Right? And I, I remember I remember the moment God redeemed me. I had given my life to him when I was young, and then I had failed him for many years. But I remember the, life, the moment in my sorrow and in my pain when I cried out to him, and he redeemed me. And I've never felt such joy, and I never felt such lightness in my life because in that moment, chains fell off. Hosea said to Gomer, you're living with me and I'm living with you. I'm going to return back to Galatians 4-7 for a moment. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. God says, I'm redeeming you to be my child. God says, I'm living with you, and you're living with me. That means from this point forward, we walk out this life together. Amen? Amen. Would you, would you stand with me this morning? Pastor Brad, just come on up here. Jump on up, pal. So today, we've, we've covered redemption and what it means and the importance of it and the heaviness of it. And we've covered redemption. Next week, we're going to be diving into your purpose because you were redeemed. How do I find my purpose in Christ now that I've been redeemed? How many of you know many people are, are redeemed and sit? They're redeemed, but they don't know what to do next. And I want to challenge you to be here next week and be a part of this of finding your purpose 
in your redemption. So with this is what I would like to ask you to do. Before we close the service today, I promised God a long time ago that I, to, the, to the best of my abilities, I would never close the service without giving people an opportunity to come to Christ as their Lord and Savior. So if you're in this place today and you, le- you, you listen to this message and you recognize your need for redemption and you recognize that you need Christ to come alongside you in this life, if that's you today and today you want to make that decision, I just want to encourage you right here in front of everybody and just shoot your hand in the air. If you're in this place and you need to accept Christ today, just shoot your hand in the air. We'll pray for you. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Is there anybody else in this room who wants to come alongside this man today? Church, would you all say this prayer with me along with that person that raised their hand today? Father, I need you in my life. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for making me whole. Father, today... I commit myself to live with you. No more harlotry. Today I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Receive me as a child. And I appreciate being an heir. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.